everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ideaprov um, with Mike Pedersen. Today I have a really good friend of mine, her name is Sunny, and we used to work together, and she's always had a really good kind of like head on her shoulders and had some really um, forward-thinking thoughts about how uh, kind of companies operate, so I thought I'd kind of bring her on the show. Sunny, how are you doing today? What, what are you getting into? What's, what's life about? I'm good, Mike. Thanks for having me. And as you said, we met through work. We worked within the same company. And I think our friendship really took off when we started having conversations about, uh, you know, things that we saw could use some improvement. We like to talk about solutions and we really bonded through that. But, uh, you know, and we continue to have those same conversations. So I think that this uh, podcast is really brings us together in that way. Great. So one of the things that, you know, Sonny and I really kind of talked about a lot when we were in the office was it seemed to the office was a little bit reluctant to work from home or allow team members to work from home on a regular basis. For some reason, there was a giant disconnect between um, kind of the individual com- individual contributor at the lower levels and sometimes the upper management. Right. So upper management wanted people in the office so that way you can see them. You know, the more individual contributors wanted people to be able to have that flexibility to either work from home or work remotely or from a cafe shop or something. So it got me to thinking, how do we get upper management to get on board with remote work while still preserving the accountability of the people? And so Sonny and I went back and forth on this a couple of, a couple of times on how to best approach this kind of topic. And we had a couple of good ideas. And so I said, you know what, let's bring her on the show and let's let's make this work. So my first thought with it was, okay, so upper management wants to see people. They want to see people working. They want to understand what's going on, be able to tap people on the shoulder if they have a hot button item, right? But they want to tell people, okay, like let's work from home but I don't want them to because that way I still have the control. Now, to get them on board, the, what initially comes to mind is um, they're just not gonna get on board. They're just old school thinking. Now, I know there's a way around that, and, but I'm not sure how to get there. I think we have, you know, there are companies out there that have really embraced the work from home and they've been doing it for quite a while you have the Googles and the Facebooks who uh, a lot of work is remote. And I think also what does work from home mean for an individual? Is it a one day a week thing? Is it a total, I wanna do my job remotely, five days a week, seven days a week. I wanna work my own hours. There's also sometimes some flexibility in hours with that. And for maybe companies or management that have not yet embraced uh, the work from home, I think there could be, I think it's worth asking, why are you hesitant to accept the working remotely? Is it that you are afraid people won't be as productive? Are you not trusting that individuals will be able to manage their time or manage their workload? And what can you maybe do about those hesitations you you have. I think if you're honest with yourself about what's holding you back from embracing the work from home 
uh, option, then maybe you can then address, you know, those concerns you have and maybe how to uh, prevent those concerns. So maybe if you are nervous that employees aren't going to get as much work done, you set expectations for what you want them to complete when they're at home. Uh, you know, if you're not, if there's a lack of trust within your team, why is that? Is it, have they actually done anything that has betrayed any trust or shown that they aren't hard workers? Right. So I, I think mean, do, the you, first, do, you, do you think it's, do you think it's team members and management not trusting the people? Or do you think that they maybe they don't understand what their workload is and whether or not they can actually do it? Like, is it more a logistical, hey, I don't understand what you do and if you're able to do it? Or I just don't want you to do it because I'm not comfortable? Well, as you were talking about, there's, you know, there's the company tone at the top. So is the company embracing uh changes and such as, you know, hey, let's have more working from home. And is that not flowing through mid-management? So if you're direct manager, who most likely, I would think, has a decent idea of what's on your plate, what you do, if they, I don't know if it's always, they don't know what you're doing, but maybe concerns about can you get that work done from your own home or wherever it is that you want to work remotely, a coffee shop, a beach, whatever. Um, and I think, so that to me is a concern over do you have the tools in place to get your work done remotely? Do you have a computer? You know, I think some companies supply computers, some may not. Do you have you know, access to pick up a phone easily, to print something, uh, if, if that's necessary, to scan something, to find something, scan it back. So maybe there's concerns over whether or not you have the tools to do your job. Now, if there's a, if there's a lack of knowing what it is that's on your plate, then I think that can be resolved through communication and conversation between management and their team, because I would imagine that the work from home, if it's not decided on a top uh, leadership level, then it usually trickles down to a management level. You know, it's up to your manager to determine if you can work from home, if your job can be accomplished from home. Because there's obviously many jobs out there that cannot, that require someone to be on the job, you know, maybe you know, you think a restaurant and wait staff, uh, you know, they that's an in-person service. But when we're talking about uh, maybe certain jobs that are heavily computer-based, then you might be able to do that remotely. So I'm thinking that's where we're focused on are those jobs that are heavily computer-based. So I think any hesitation of what is it that an employee is doing and can they do it from home, maybe that's talking within the team. Okay, and I, I completely agree with you in the fact that the, there's definitely a lack of communication amongst whether either it's the middle management and or some of the lower management people because, I, and the thing is I get it, right? So middle management is kind of caught in, a, in the middle, 
right? They're expected to, have, to make sure that they have, they meet X and X expectations from the upper level management team. However, they still have to manage the lower individual contributors. So how do they balance that now? There's a part of me that says your middle management that's, that comes with your role, you should be able to figure it out, but let's face it, not everybody is good at that, right? So that accountability, and you, you're also gonna have your bad apples, your individual contributors that just abuse the system that you know don't wanna work from home, or actually they do wanna work from home, they just want all the perks and not get any of the work done. So I'm definitely sympathetic to those that, those people that are caught in the middle that don't know how to navigate that, and so one of the things that, that I've always wondered, is it better to have, I don't know, maybe a specific team or an upper level management person um, or some type of sponsor that actually looks at this holistically from the company and kind of breaks down, hey, can this role work from home? Does it make sense to work from home? What are the needs to work from home, right? Um, is this something that's, should be done in all organizations. I mean, there's part of me that thinks and with the current times of the virus and all that kind of stuff that there's a lot of jobs that probably were able to work from home that originally people thought weren't able to. So if it can be done now and in extreme measures, why couldn't it have been done previously when it wasn't that necessary? So how do we get to those people to either get on board or to have those communications, you know, open? Is it a you know, a, a direct manager type of conversation, or should it be more of a corporate-owned, hey, this is, this is how we're going to operate as a company? Well, I've worked in places where I feel on a company, higher executive level, tone, of, tone at the top, they seem to embrace, um, you know, modern ways and the work from home uh, options and then it kind of seems to get stuck on that management level. So whether it's company level or management level, I think maybe look at the benefits of working from home. Like if you're, and as you mentioned, Mike, we are in the middle of a pandemic. And I think a lot of companies, you know, we're talking about big companies, small companies. And I know, um, I know someone who's working at a smaller company they weren't very, I don't think hardly anybody worked from home. It's, you know, less than, I, I want to say 20 people in the office. They didn't previously, prior to the pandemic, really embrace that work from home option. And then they were put on the spot where people, uh, you know, the county and the state were really asking people to limit, you know, social interaction. And I think a lot of companies found that they actually had the tools. They, and as you mentioned, they just weren't using them. And once they found out, okay, we have the tools, let's just learn how to use them. I don't think it was that hard of a hurdle. And if there was any issues in regards to, do you trust your employees to be productive when they're not uh, within your eyesight, within your you know, view, that's another, I mean, to me, that's a, another issue, but I think a lot of companies have found that they can embrace the work from home, that they have the tools to do so, whether it's, you know, are you able to talk through like a face, FaceTime, Skype, if you need to talk to an employee, 
you know, pick up the phone, some kind of messaging application on the computer. I mean, there's been email. I Email's probably overused and can be a bit of a distraction and interruption. Uh, but I think that a lot of companies, like you said, have been kind of put on the spot and pushed outside of their comfort zone with the pandemic. But I think, you know, maybe if companies and management said, hey, is there, are there benefits to work from home? I think there are employees. And again, I, I think so, this conversation might be kind of uh, past its due for, for some people. I mean, there are companies who've been doing this for over probably, you know, at least a decade even. But for the people who are working within companies or firms that have not quite embraced the work from home, I think if management were to stop and say, could this benefit me directly? I think that they could see one for employees who, not everybody wants to work from home, but for the employees who do, you're, that is a non-monetary perk that a company can give an employee saying, okay, for you, it means something to you to work from home. I can give that to you. And it's not money out of the pocket of the company. You know, some companies are trying to keep their costs low and remain within a budget. So how can they make their employees happy? Because I think research shows a happy employee is going to be more productive. So I think if a manage, if the management says, okay, I want I want my employees to be productive, they might find that giving them the option to work from home or work remotely is going to uh, make that employee more productive. And also employees might say have more time to work because they won't be spending time commuting and they're gonna be, and not coming, I know that when I was commuting, I would come into the office sometimes aggravated just because the morning commute was yeah. a little crazy even traffic parking tolls like yeah. finding food along the way the person that cuts you off is ridiculous and so i think another perk would be that there might be more time that an employee might be willing to you know if they're not hourly employees that they might be able to find more time to work on a, on projects because they're saving time maybe commuting maybe even just getting ready for work you know getting up dressed, scarfing breakfast, trying to get out the door to beat that traffic and then sitting in that traffic and coming into the office already irritated. Uh, I definitely think that there are benefits that would, for both the employee, but also for the company indirectly, if they, uh, if they care enough to make the employees happy, if they see that as being a benefit to them. And see, that, that goes to my next kind of thought is, how many of these companies, how much do they care about that productivity? Because there's plenty of managers out there that are, you know, especially in the times that we're in, and even prior to before that, when times are really good, they'll say, you know, you're lucky to have a job, right? Okay, so that's an individual management kind of tactic that might need some adjusting. But, you know, there's plenty of companies out there that are reluctant to change because of the fact that's the only way that they've ever known. So if they don't want to do it, they're risking themselves being left behind. All right, that's fine. Um, but for those that do, how do we build that, I guess that trust and that communication back and forth to kind of open up that topic to say, hey, 
how is this? So like for off the top of my head, I think you brought about a, a good one, which was, you know, let's let's expose some of the benefits to it, right? So one is creating that management visibility for what people are actually doing um, and, and showing them that that's a perk. And now, I don't know how you might quantify, um, I guess, traffic time and people lost time for whatever, because from, a management and I don't know maybe an ethical perspective you can't say okay you can work from home but just because you work from home now you have to work nine hours a day because you don't have to commute you don't have to have breakfast all that kind of stuff like you can get up and work in your pajamas so I expect you to work more you can't say that now will some companies automatically want that probably um, so creating that management visibility and just to say, hey, listen, this is important to people. If you care about your employees, you might want to think about doing this. Well, I think there's definitely a risk, too, for companies that are not changing with the times. You have such innovative companies out there that are embracing so many different creative ways to interact with their employees. So if you're a company who isn't embracing change and not considering uh, allowing employees with the capability to work from home, then you might put yourself at risk at losing really good, talented employees who might go and choose to work for a company who is more innovative and embracing these modern ways of working. So I kind of want to say, all right, if you don't want to, if you're hesitant and, and you don't think that this is the best way to, for employees to work, I, I just think that you're opening yourself up to some risk and you might not get the best talent out there because the best talent might want to go to those companies that are embracing these things. How do you think that? will work, right? So the companies are going, so let's say we take the side of the individual, right? So we're saying, hey, if you don't get on board with us working from home, I'm going to take my talents to X and X company over here because they allow me to do that. So, I mean, that's all well and great, but it is also somewhat one-sided, right? So from the other perspective, if I'm upper management, what measures do I have or what I want to see to make sure that because this specific employee is now working from home X days a week or maybe completely full time that the same amount of work is going to get well, done? Well, I think it requires the knowledge of how much work they're getting done before they work from home. And you can even do, if you're a manager who's not allowed your employees to work from home and it's something you want to consider, maybe try a trial period. Say, this is something I'm, I'm willing to try. And then set the expectations of, I expect you to get XYZ done. And you were talking about if employees are not commuting, spending time commuting, maybe they can put in, instead of eight hours a day, they're putting in nine hours. And just more time on the clock does not mean more work is accomplished. That's uh, very true. I think there's a common misconception there that just because I'm working a lot of hours doesn't mean that you're actually, your output is increased you know, as well. And I think maybe setting something that's measurable, but also reasonable because you know, I've seen and experienced uh, expectations that I think 
are kind of setting people up for failure. So, you know, if you're a manager and you're like, okay, I really, I want to put so much on this person's plate that I don't even think this person's going to get it all done, but I want to really put the fire under their butt. I think that can sometimes, uh, you know, fail and cause more harm than good. But if you set some reasonable expectations with your employees, and again, we all know communication is important, but communicate your concerns with the employees. Maybe openly say, I'm worried that if you work from home, you might be distracted or you, I don't, you know, I might, you may not be focused on work, but set the goal of, I want you to get project A, B, and C started or phases one, two, three of project A underway and and give me maybe weekly updates on what you've accomplished and and then if I want you to get something done and something pops up and a roadblock pops up and you don't think you're going to be able to accomplish it just at least again open communication let me know hey you hit uh, a wall and something that's going to prevent you from getting it done but I think also, you know, some people are, are worried that you're going to be home and distracted, but I've also experienced myself sometimes more interruptions and distractions while in a office setting than while working from home. And it's hard, you know, you want to be respectful to your coworkers. I get along with a lot of my coworkers. So it's not always easy to say, hey, I'm really, uh, you know, my head's down. I'm really got to crank this out. I'm sorry, I can't, you know, uh, help you with this right now or shoot the breeze with you and catch up about how our weekends were. But when you're working from home, you might have more control over your environment that helps you be more focused on work. Because I think um, it's easy nowadays while technology and something I've seen during the pandemic, technology has really helped us, but it can also hurt us and be a source of distraction. So I think allowing, you know, for people to have more control over their environment, that person knows what their biggest interruptions and distractions are. And for some people, they find more ability to focus on work in an office environment. For I think others, it's, I can control my environment better at home to where I'm, I'm not as distracted and interrupted. So I think it's, I think some managers might be concerned that not enough work is being done at home, but I think they might need to look at the flip side of that, of whether or not people are getting as much as they can within the within office, the office too. environment. Yeah, and I think what you, you touched on a huge point for me that kind of, that kind of went like a light bulb moment was, like that honesty and that communication between the manager and that employee is probably the most important part of that. Like upper management can say whatever they want, but if the manager and the employee aren't on the same page, it's probably not gonna work, right? There has to be some level of trust there. So, you know, in my mind, it's kind of coming together in like a maybe, six-week approach or, or maybe a, uh, an eight-week approach, right? And so you sit down with your manager, you have two weeks of prep work in which you kind of understand, okay, what's on your plate? That'll be like the, the primary time, right? 
So what's on your plate? What's going on? How much can you handle? Um, are you more efficient in the office or at home? Um, and then we say, okay, if whoever brings it up as far as it, it could be company that pushes that say, hey, we want to work from home, or it could be the individual that says, I want to work from home. And we have that conversation, that dialogue, and kind of open up everything that's happening on that particular employee's workload, that what their life kind of looks like, right? So that sets up for two weeks. Then you have, you decide on both on a date in which they're going to work remotely for a trial period, right? So let's say this trial period is, say two weeks in the front, maybe four weeks in the middle, give it a month. Do you think that's a fair amount of sample size? A month or two of, okay. you know, working from home, seeing how it goes, because there might be some kinks to work out. Of course. All right. So let's say maybe, yeah, let's say two month, yeah, two month um, trial period, right? So a two month trial period, and definitely in that first two weeks, you're gonna have to put together some expectations. Expectations of what is gonna be accomplished, whether that's project work, individual work, et cetera. And I think making those expectations or goals as measurable as possible. Uh, you know, if you can't really quantify it, it could be a little subjective about how much a person or employee really accomplished you know, a, a manager who might be uh, hesitant to allow the work from home uh, might say, oh, well, I, you didn't really get as much done as I, I thought you would. If it's not measurable, I think something a little bit clearer about what the goals are. Right, okay. So we definitely have a measurable sense in there. Then we go through like a two month trial, which have their kinks, run through their projects, learn how to do it, constant communication, of course. Communication is gonna be key there, just to make sure that they're on the same page because it will be different. I think honesty too, I mean, when we're talking about communication, honesty with each other, I think it's okay for a manager to share their concerns with the employee and uh, the employee to communicate their own concerns. I think honesty though with themselves, like if a manager is a little scared or hesitant um, about let it, letting employees work from home, maybe the manager should say, is this a concern I have because of that employee's, uh, you know, behavior at work uh, or performance at work? Or is that maybe, especially if it's a concern you have over a whole team of people, maybe it's, it's something you need to look internally saying, do I feel this way because of something that's based on reality or is it just a, a, a nervousness and anxiety that I have internally? But I also think employees need to look internally to say, am I, do I see any reason that working from home might cause me to not be as productive? Do I see, you know, ask yourself, do you think you're an employee who can focus in a work from home environment? Or do you have the setup to work from home? So I think when you're talking about communication, you know, being honest with each other and also with yourself is a big part of, you know, embracing this change. Yeah, that, that radical candor, I think, is gonna be super important because I don't think, it, I mean, it works if you don't. However, having that candor and honesty with yourself to kind of 
internally look at and say, okay, why do I have apprehension with employee X working from home? Is it because I don't think that they can get their work done? Do I think that they're overloaded? Whatever the case may be, um, you need to kind of figure that out for yourself first. And then the employee also needs to do the same thing and say, hey, listen, this is a perk. Um, or I guess some people could think of it as a perk, some people couldn't. Um, I need to make sure that I'm on my P's and Q's because obviously, you know, my employer, my manager has some concerns about me working from home. I don't know where that comes from, but I also need to put my best foot forward and not abuse this potential thing that they're, they're trying to implement and or give me. Um, so definitely adding that radical candor in there. And I think that needs to be continued, especially through the, through the trial period. Right? Yeah, like so, not at the end. Yeah, it's not at the end and be like, hey, you've been holding in all this information for the last, you know, six weeks or whatever the case would be. And then now all of a sudden you want to say something like that's not going to be helpful, you know, during it. And you don't want to, like as an employee, you don't want to hold that as the, the, like the trump card at the end and say, hey, you were working from home, but you didn't finish this, 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 this and this. Now, all of a sudden, you know, that's you violated that employee's kind of like a psychological space. And all of a sudden now they feel like blindsided and backstabbed when they agreed, you know, that these were the measurables. And now you're pulling stuff out of nowhere. So you got a two month trial period. Now, what do you think about maybe a week to two weeks as far as like a debrief after that? Like and to see whether or not it was an actual feasible solution. I think pretty shortly after that trial period, uh, they should assess whether or not the working from home is is leading to the expectations that they both set, and you know what are the complications or the drawbacks that they've encountered along the way, if any. Um, you know, I think I've I've also heard from friends who've. Uh, you know, who previously had not been working from home, especially during this pandemic, that they're hearing great feedback from management saying, man, we've actually, we've gotten, you know, a lot more accomplished while our teams have been working from home. I know of some companies that are thinking, you know, if the coronavirus pandemic eases or things kind of go back somewhat normal that I think some companies are even thinking of letting employees permanently work from home. And of course, and you and I've talked about this, this could have other benefits for the company, like saving money on leasing space and uh, having office space. Uh, if people were working from home, you might not have, you know, as much, uh, you know, drain on, you know, money to offer that office space for employees. Yeah, this train thing. I heard this morning, um, I think Facebook is doing it. So they've decided that, that anybody, anybody that's current, they're going to work on a plan for, I guess, working remotely. And then anybody that's new hired remotely is apparently going to be, you know, for the most part remote. And they're opening up three new locations. Like one's Atlanta, one's like St. Louis, and one's Denver, if I have them correct. And I think Twitter already did it. And so there's a lot of, of course, it's easier for tech companies, right? But these other entrenched companies that have been here for a long time, like how how would they go about doing it? I wouldn't I say know. it's easier. I mean, I think that a lot of companies, tech companies, non-tech companies, 
may have the same advantages and technologies that would permit employees to work from home. I think it's just that mindset. I mean, you think of tech companies, you think of very uh, innovative mindsets, uh, people embracing change and 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 trying new things. Um, I, I think a lot of it goes back to the mindset of management and company leadership. And I think if, you know, if you, I think if people allow employees to work from home, they might be surprised to find at the end that things were way better than what they thought they would be. Um, Happier employees, uh, you know, managers might even find themselves uh, benefiting from not having, you know, as many employees in the office or even they themselves being in the office all the time. I think some managers who have also occasionally worked from home find that they are able to focus more themselves in a work from home environment. And I think just companies, if they are honest with themselves, might see indirect benefits of making, giving employees the option to work from home. Because again, not all employees may want to work from home. And some employees may want to work from home only a day or two a week, while some employees may want to work remote completely um, all the time. So I think a lot of it is, you know, looking at those benefits that a company may get themselves. Right. I mean, it was funny that I thought about, I thought about this randomly the other day too, because I said, a lot of these companies that might work from home, one of the big benefits is, you know, lease space, right? So there's only a finite amount of land and, you know, buildings where people can put companies. So if more companies allow people to work from home, less, there's going to be less companies, I guess, in the market looking for leased space in corporate buildings or whatever the case is, which could allow growing companies to find more physical space. Now, if those growing companies are going more remote, they might not need that physical space. But at the same time, there's plenty of other uses that we can find for those type of commercial spaces, right? So if you have a corporate center, you could put like a daycare in there or you could put um, a garage to help fix, you know, cars and those type of things. That should be huge, massive benefits for the people that actually do have to go into the office all because you might have shrunk the amount of space that you needed because you allowed people to work from home. So I think there's a lot of like really super cool benefits there. Another thing, as we live in the state of Florida, which is hurricane prone, with companies at least having the setup of allowing employees to work from home in cases of disasters or unique situations such as the current pandemic we're in, they are more quick to respond to the demands of their job by already having the setup and ability to work from home instead of maybe getting behind while employees are scrambling with how to do their work at all, if at all, from their house. And I think it's, you know, if an employee is sick or needs some kind of uh, long-term you know care at home they can still be available and productive if they have the tools and set up to work from home i think having that ahead of time you know again i think this pandemic has put a lot of company has put the you know 
a big push for companies to hurry and get their employees set up. And as we know, unfortunately, a lot of people have also been laid off. But I think if employee, if companies were prepared for the opportunity to work from home, then if they're stuck with uh, something like a disaster, then they'll already be at least one step, you know, one step forward with having employees prepared to get work done. I mean, kind of like an emergency preparation. Yeah, like almost like an emergency plan. You know, you got to think whether it's not just here in Florida with hurricane season, but you have to think wildfires in California. You got to think blizzards up north in New York when some people just can't get, you know, can't get to work. Um, Tornadoes in that, you know, tornado alley in, you know, Arkansas and and Texas and stuff like that. So it just kind of makes sense to have a contingency plan in case there's another pandemic where people, you know, might not be able to go out and about. I think it's the preparedness that I feel companies might never get the, I guess, a return on investment, that ROI, and say, hey, I'm going to put X amount into allowing my people to work from home, knowing that if I'm in the middle of Georgia, I might never see it, right? Like, and what if they don't use it? Like, what's the point? But for times like this, it's so important for companies to be able to have that, to be able to keep going and make it make sense. So like that logistical piece is important. I think that they got to have you got to have the communication and honesty, right, to be able to do that. I think we have to outline the benefits of what. I guess the management role is, so having that candor and whatnot. Um, Check on the accountability, so that means the, um, I guess the employee has to know what they're gonna be responsible for. And then once all those things are done, you execute a trial period for, let's say two weeks in the beginning, eight weeks in the middle of the actual trial. So you do the preparedness at the front and then you got like a week of recap between you and your manager to say, hey, listen, did this work? Can we do this on a regular basis going forward? So I think like we touched on that two weeks in the front, eight weeks in the middle, maybe a week afterwards from a just trial period standpoint, but then you also have to make sure that you have the logistical tools, whether it's printer tools and whatever, to be able to do your job remotely. Um, you have that communication, that honesty and loyalty with um, in between the manager and the employee to be able to have those honest and radical um, honesty conversations between one another. Um, outline the benefits for both the company and then also the individual employee um, on why this potentially makes sense and then be extremely clear on what the expectations are when working remotely for that particular employee. I think that's a huge step for us right there in the fact that there could be some companies that are just, or some people that could be still working for companies that could be very reluctant to this. Now, of course, there's a large psychological aspect to it, that being that some managers, some upper-level management are just not on board and probably will never be on board. They don't see the point in it and they're not going to change their thoughts and feelings, but I think this is a good step in that direction. Yeah, like you said, I think some manage, managers might just be closed-minded, so even if you present them with 
tons of benefits and great reasons why allowing employees to work from home would benefit everybody involved. There are just some people who aren't even going to consider it. They're not comfortable with it. And at the end of the day, you can't change somebody's mind if they're not open. Yeah, you're so, so right on that. There's a lot of people that are just not ready for change. Well, anyway, I just want to make sure that we stay um, stay on, on and get to your co-creator segment. So um, I know that you we were talking before offline about some interesting things that you were kind of getting into and looking at. So um, give us give us what's uh, what's put on your mind. Well, as we're in the middle of the coronavirus pandemic and uh, social media and technology has been such a great tool to help people through this social dis- distancing. I have recently been reading a book called Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport, and I heard him uh, speak on a podcast that I listened to and really liked uh, a lot of what he was talking about. So I got this book, and it it's just a good reminder of making sure that we're using technology and social media with intentionally and not just compulsively. And I think that really interested me because while I am not a big user of social media and I have questioned uh, over the years, you know, should I, should I join, you know, Facebook or Instagram, I have decided not to join those tools for right now and have so far been happy with that decision. And reading this book by Cal Newport has uh, reminded me too, even though I might not be using, say, my my phone, my smartphone for social media purposes, I still find myself at times reaching for my phone when I am in the middle of something else, like reading a book. And it just is a good reminder for us to be aware of how we're using the technology in our lives. Is it serving us in the way that we want it to? Are we using it intentionally? Are we just grabbing our phone when we're at the dinner table and there's a law in the conversation and we're a little bored? So I can really nerd out and uh, I know that Cal Newport's writ- written other books and uh, probably more that I'll look into, but I find this digital minimalism really interesting, especially right now when there's been so many benefits to technology, having it in our lives, during this this pandemic, uh, but still reminding ourselves, and I think it there's some saying that you know let it it can be a good like technology can be a good servant but a bad master, um, you know it can be a good tool for us to use, but if we let it control us, then it might defeat the whole benefit of the tool itself. I mean, it's that's a really good topic, especially because so many people are so connected all the time you know whether it's uh, i mean notifications go off on the phone like like all day long whether it's i know for me personally it's you know it's a linkedin message here it's an espn it's an email it's it's a this it's a that and it's just this compulsive every single time you hear that chime i feel like pavlov's dogs and i'm just like classically conditioned okay i gotta check i gotta check i gotta check or fear of missing out on something it's oftentimes really not that important you know um just and I even have, I'll even have my phone on silent and catch myself reaching for it and why I don't know. I'll be in the middle, like I said, of reading a book and I'm 
I think it'll be like, oh, I want to Google something or I want to, you know, look up a topic that maybe I'm reading about, but I'd rather be focused on the book I'm reading in the moment than reaching for my phone that I'm reaching for without even really thinking about it. And like you said, Pavlov's bells were definitely conditioned to um, use these devices in moments when we could find quiet timing and find our biggest, you know, creativity in those moments. And I, I think that there's tons of people out there. I mean, I've heard on various podcasts, different individuals who have researched what technology has done to us, you know, through smartphones and social media and the internet and how it's changed the way that we live our lives. Sometimes for the better, sometimes not so much. And I mean, just even how we're interacting and, and how these companies that are making money um, from, you know, creating these social media applications for people to use and how they're making their money and how maybe they're using us is just really interesting. So much. <laughs> yeah, in, re- in relation to like the data usage, um, like I know, especially the big ones, the, you know, the Facebooks and all that kind of stuff, they, they push notifications at certain times when they know people are doing certain things um, and to, to get them like their entire function is to get you to spend more time in their particular app on your phone, you know, so that way you come and, and you check something about what this baby did from your, you know, second cousin twice removes the sister from high school. Like, you don't know, but that's that's where it's coming from all the time. And it, it really sparked something when you talked about minimalism because I saw um, a Netflix documentary, I think it's called The Minimalist or Minimalism or something like that. And it's about these two guys and they really, they, they pretty much took out all the fluff out of their lives. So not only was it, uh, I mean, still digital, they still have those smartphones and whatever, but as far as the clothing and stuff, if they didn't have a purpose or it didn't have a use that they used on a regular basis, it was gone. Um, the one guy said he, he, they went on a 10 month journey because they did a, a book and so they're doing a book tour and he packed one suitcase, I think he said with like, seven items of underwear, three shirts, three pants, two shoes, and his toiletry bag. And it was gone for, for 10 months. And I'm like, okay, like that's, that's a lot, you know? And they talked with people that um, had bought into the tiny homes idea, you know, out of like Austin, Texas. And they just, one guy said, yeah, it's only a thousand square feet. And he's like, but I also paid it off in a year. And now I spend the rest of my time going traveling everywhere, so. Do I really need it? Like all the extra stuff, like nobody really cares about. Well, some some people do. And I think what it is, is each individual should pause and say, what do I care about? What do I want my life to be? What do I want from life? And are these things that I use or have or get, are they helping me meet that image that I want for myself, that goal that I want for myself? Because someone who travels a lot may not need as many possessions and may not even need home ownership, you know, depending on how much they travel. And, you know, someone who doesn't, you know, want as much technology in their lives. I, you know, I like nature. I like being, you know, being outside more. And so does does being on the computer all day 
you know, mindlessly, you know, searching the internet, that's not helping me meet that goal. So I think just being intentional and, and knowing what you want and taking the time to sit there and think about those things. I think my part of your podcast is taking the time to stop, pause for a moment and think because sometimes we get caught up in the busyness of life that we're not allowing ourselves to pause and say, hey, why am I even doing this? I'm, I'm spending so much time doing X, Y, Z, maybe because I've been doing it for years, and but it's not giving me the same value that it used to give me. So I think that's really, we live partly because of technology in this crazy, uh, fast-paced life that sometimes we don't take that time to just pause and think about those things that you know. Yeah, you hit you hit it you hit it hit it spot on. I think a lot of people just you're so focused on what's what's happening the rest of the day, what's happening tomorrow, um, and just living quite busily to just take the time. And that's part of the reason why I started the podcast was to um, get people to think creatively. And I know uh, my personal thing is I, I get in my own way and I get in my own head and I, I tell myself stories all the time that aren't the best. Um, that sometimes preventing me from being my best self. So part of the reason for the podcast was getting that stuff out in the open, um, talking about these you know, different life issues and topics, whether it be environmental or you know, just curious stuff or physical inventions, and just getting them out and, and chatting with people and getting their take on it and just getting an authentic perspective of um, that thought partnership and you know, idea collaboration. Um, in real time and finding that beauty there. So I think that was really helpful. Well, what was the name of that book again? It was Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport. And I just found it really interesting, but it's just a, you know, like you said, a, a good reminder to pause and, and say, why am I doing this? And is this something that's gonna get me closer to what I want my life to be? That's really important stuff. Um, well, to wrap up, I really want to give a big thank you to our co-creator, Sunny, today. She was, she was awesome and uh, really thought-provoking and helpful. Well, Mike, thanks for having me. I know that we uh, talked a lot about the working from home, and you have lots of great ideas coming up, so I really appreciate you having me on as a guest. It's truly been my pleasure. We had a lot of fun today. As always, you can find us using the handle at Ideaprov at all of our social media outlets, or you can use the hashtag Ideaprov as well. Um, until next time.